0: throws it down. Welcome to Coast to Coast, an NBA podcast by the fans, for the fans. My name is Chris, and hosting with me is my guy, Ronan. Tune in every week as we dive into the hottest content and emerging rumors across the league.
1: Dodgich pulls off three-pointer. Bang! Bang! It's good! Dutchett wins the game at the buzzer!
0: Don't miss a beat. Whether it's a star on the move or the Knicks acquiring another forward, we got you covered.
1: Zion for four, for four!
0: The game is constantly evolving and whether it's by the eye test or advanced stats will give you the analysis you need to take your fandom to the next level.
1: Here's Davis, 4-3 in the win. Oh, it's good! Anthony
0: Davis has won it for the Lakers! Sit back and relax. Coast to Coast starts now. Welcome back to another episode of Coast to Coast. Excited to bring some more content to you this Friday, Ronan, my guy. What's up?
1: Uh, not much, man. Not much. I'm just, um, I'm, I'm excited now. One of my, one of my picks for an All Star snub is now in the game, in the All Star game. Now the KD is out, so I'm feel, I'm feeling happy.
0: Let's jump into it. We're we're a couple of days late. We're recording here on a Friday, but um, still want to get your thoughts on the. NBA All Star voting and who got in, who didn't get in. Um, so you said it there first. One, one of the big snubs that everyone was upset about was was Devin Booker not making it to the uh, Western Conference All Star reserves. Um, you got in there. Um, let's see who, who is who is the who is the biggest snub for you. Was it him?
1: I mean. I would say it's Devin Booker. We all know how I feel about Devin Booker. I'm a big Devin Booker guy. But the only reason I'm saying it's him is because I'm like, if if a Phoenix Sun was gonna get in, it had to be him. And the fact that that uh Chris Paul got in ahead of him was maybe a bit of a a bit of a kind of getting in off of merit or reputation rather than what he's actually been doing this year. But to be honest with Booker, if we're looking over maybe February, maybe the last like nine games or so, I'm saying he's an absolute all star. But to start the season, he was he was not playing up to the levels that I'd be expecting from him. So from that f- side of it, I'm kind of like, it's fair enough that he wasn't selected. I'm glad yeah. he's got in now, but I I like uh, the outrage he got coming from the top, LeBron James not happy at all. Devin Booker wasn't wasn't an all star. Maybe that's why they made they made sure that uh they, they put him in for, for A D. <laughs>
0: Well, the way you, I mean, you said it there, like the, the production, the overall production, I'd say for Chris Paul, that the big thing for me is looking at how the team has improved, how the, uh, the sons have looked. And you can definitely point to Chris Paul being the reason that they're on such a hot streak this year. Um, And the way that he's been basically willing them to victories in the end. I mean, without Chris Paul, you don't, you don't have the wins here. And we're stuck in this conversation again of, is Devin Booker a winning player? Like that, that's not being talked about right now because Chris Paul's there and he's their definitive leader to getting them into these games. Um, but I mean the, the All Star game, man, when I when you really think about it, it's like it's always it is what it is. It's a popularity contest, first and foremost. I mean, dude, like Alex Caruso had. 1.3 million votes like this <laughs> and he, he had more voids, votes than Russell Westbrook like there's <laughs> there's no rhyme or reason to it um, but I I really think that one of the more difficult ones this year was the Eastern Conference that was that was the toughest one I mean we're, we're both really happy here we got our guys Zach Levine and we got Julius Randle two first-time all, all-stars another first-time all-star Jalen Brown, just really awesome to see these young players, um, the way that they've made jumps. Um, Jalen Brown continuing to have an amazing season this year, um, proving that his jump last year wasn't a fluke. He got even better. And Zach Levine doing the same thing. And Julius Randle proving that he's not – I mean, I don't think anyone considered him a bust, but the way that the Knicks have handed him the keys to their franchise is something I don't think anyone – Saw coming in an all star berth, in that right, it's just absolutely impressive.
1: Yeah, no, I'm, I'm really, I'm really happy for him because I, I mean, I know I've said before I'm not, not like totally convinced that that, that uh, Julius Randle is the guy to lead the Knicks forward, but this may be one of the few seasons where he is really playing top level basketball. So it might be one of the only re- years he's considered to be an all star. So I'm really happy that he got in. I think. Guys like Brown and Levine, I think they've des- they absolutely deserve it there. But I think they're they're both guys that are going to be re- in that conversation without doubt over over the next uh, decade probably. But this might be one of the only years for Randall, so I'm really 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 happy for him and great to see it. great to see a Nick back in the All Star game.
0: <laughs> when's the when's the last time Mello? Mello, yeah. that has got to be it Mello. Yeah. And before that, oh,
1: Porzingis, did Porzingis get one? Porzingis. I don't I think he might have before he got injured. I think he might have been already injured, but I think he was still named. Could be wrong it's, on that now. It's but. a
0: distant, distant memory. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but obviously we have the Nets getting their three All-Stars. Kevin Durant's not going to be um, playing, actually, until after the All-Star break. Just, I, And I, I wonder how much of that is how successful the Nets have been, which we'll talk about in a bit. But you got that beast in the East. The Nets have their three All-Stars. The Celtics have their two, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. Um, another guy that that is great to finally see him in Um, Vucevic I mean he's been destroying the league he's been setting the league on fire at least on the offensive end I mean he's averaging 24 and 12 he's been doing that all season long and I think a lot of people were a little upset about the fact that Sabonis got left out but now he's now he's in now that Durant's not going to be playing in the game but I mean credit to to both those guys I mean that Vucevic is having a career year on the offensive end on unfortunately it's the magic who are looking like they're not really going to make another push this year, but um, exciting to see him get in.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think you you like to see those kind of guys where they're not really in the big market. So there's not really a lot of conversation about them, but they're putting up big numbers and they're, they're the leaders of their team and that's why they, they they need to be recognized. It's great to see for both of them. I think Sabonis has been a guy we've been really excited about all year because he's doing great things there down, down in a, and in Indiana, he's averaging around 22, 12, and six, shooting over fifty percent. He's even got a solid around about thirty-five percent from from three, which is solid enough for, for a player of his of his style. So I think I'm I'm really happy that he's able to get into the game now, and I think he he absolutely deserves it because you don't really pay too much attention to what the Pacers are doing, but they're always they're always just having staying that solid that solid uh, stance in in the Eastern Conference, and Sabonis has been their leader.
0: So, any any snubs here?
1: Do you think uh, Trey Young is that a snub? Uh, it's it's so tough to say. I mean, like stats wise, when are we ever going to see a guy that's averaging twenty seven and just below ten assists a game not make an All Star team? Like it is, it is pretty crazy, but. I guess it you you take in team record the the kind of the disappointments that that Atlanta has been almost this year. Obviously, they've had a lot of injury troubles, but I think people were expecting a lot more. But at the same time, I'm like, Trey Young is a guy that you'd like in the All Star game because he's kind of a fun guy. He can pull off great shots and great plays as we saw against Boston the other night, that little off-the-back pass uh, to get the <laughs> Yeah, you're the not going
0: to get that. <laughs> I wanted to see a couple olays, a couple nutmegs in the game. But are you you mentioned the scoring, but I'm not going to let you mention the scoring without you talking about his efficiency. He's not been good this year. Mm. He's, he's not been very efficient. And the fact is that his scoring hasn't helped his team win. That his team has been largely a disappointment. And, you know, I wonder how much of this has come down to style of play as well. Like everyone got on on James Harden about fouling and everything. And, and it almost feels like um, Trey Young, that it's been taken to a whole other level, which is really, I don't know, it's, it's interesting to me. Like he's become almost like a villain because of how often he's seeking fouls um, and, Sometimes it's just drives you crazy when you watch a whole Hawks game and how often is he, uh, waiting for the defender off the screen. And he's just, he's throwing his body into guys. He's, he's twerking on guys from the top of the key and it's, it's not basketball. I think a lot of people are, are really focusing in on that. And I think that's, I think taking a hit to his, his reputation, not just amongst fans, but even amongst players, even it must've been a sad moment for him, um, I don't know why this made me think of it, but I don't know if you had seen that, uh, that Elon Musk interview where he was talking about how, um, God, th- this makes me feel uh, stupid. I not remember his name, but the guy who walked on the moon,
1: <laughs> the guy who walked on the moon, what was his name? Are we talking Neil Armstrong? No, the other one. Buzz. The other guy. Buzz Aldrin. Uh, yeah, 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 sure. i
0: Probably you're probably right. You're probably right <laughs> But so the, this is just reminding me that he had an interview about um how but oh Buzz Aldrin hated the idea of SpaceX and like and Elon Musk was like that was my mentor that hurt a lot and he was like about to cry on this this interview. This like super genius, like amazing guy. And Trey Young, Steve Nash had comments about how Trey Young was seeking fouls and how that's not basketball. And that must have hurt a lot to see the guy that he's emulated his game off of uh, calling him out for some some cheap basketball. And Trey came out and said, well, if I, I modeled my game after him and if he thinks that that's fouling, that's what he did in his career. It's, it's kind of true. Like, it's, uh, it's what he does. It's, he uses his small stature. I think, stature to, yeah,
1: I think to he's manage. smart in that way, though, because I think he has to find ways to make his size an advantage. And I think that it, that is one way to do it. I think it's kind of like a second coming, as you kind of compare it to the way Harden did it as well, and that's what people always hate even more. The second coming is always a whole lot worse than the first, and um, I think I think it's smart for him. And and if he can be a little bit more efficient and can start impacting more wins for his team, even if he's still looking for the fails and that, I think he it, he will become less of a villain and people will pay less attention to it when it's impacting wins and when he's putting up big, efficient numbers, which he is capable of.
0: Yeah, I guess it's, that's, a, that's a bigger conversation for another day for the way the, the league is played that, you know, I, sometimes, you know, I, I, don't, I don't buy into the whole like old school, like, oh, the league is soft now. Like, I hate the way the league is played now. But to a certain degree, it's like, you know, you, you, see, you see a guy go down, with with contact, legal contact, and you're like, get in the weight room. So the Trey Trey Young falling all over the place, get in the weight room. Like you see Zach Levine getting getting hit all game long and he gets penalized for not flopping. He doesn't he doesn't flop when he goes to the rim. He just gets right to the cup. And guys who don't flop, they don't get the benefit of that. But I don't know. I have a little more respect for that. But moving on, I don't want to talk about Trey Young flopping. That's that's <laughs> not what we're here to talk about. Um what, what what other picks here? I, I think honestly, when I look at the West, I'm pretty happy with it. I, I didn't I, I don't think there's anything controversial about it. Like a lot of people talking about, well, why is Zion in over Devin Booker? I mean, Zion Williamson, he's in his second year, he's just an absolute force. I mean, this guy is is the sole. Reason for any measure of success the Pelicans have had and the way that he's scoring the ball. We talked about it last week, the efficiency he's scoring it with, and just the pure will he has and the playmaking that he's been doing recently, too. Like it's undeniable that this guy is a bona fide all star, definitely deserved to be in there, I think.
1: Yeah, I think absolutely. I think uh, a couple of guys that missed out, I'm looking kind of maybe. Shea Gill, just Alexander, Brandon Ingram. Like they're guys that I think I would have liked to see, and they probably would have deserved the spot. But I don't think I would say they deserve to be in over anyone that did get named. That's that sort of the way I'd be looking at it. Like they're both having great years, and hopefully, maybe not get, getting the All Star snub can inspire them to do even better. And uh, that's that's the way they got to look at it. When you when you're knocked down, you gotta you gotta find a way to get back up and make sure that you are you're a first ballot uh, All Star next season.
0: Yeah, like, like Lillard. Lillard was a, a reserve, and people were just losing their minds over him not getting it over Doncic. Um, and we got to remember, the, the international vote counts. Doncic is just an international star. Um, so Damian Lillard being the king of chips on their shoulders, I mean, he's got to be, like, just putting that, putting that away. Like, I wasn't an all-star starter. It's Dame time.
1: I think they they, they exaggerate way too much. They kind of just forget that as much as the Mavs have struggled, Luka is still putting up ridiculous numbers, just like Lillard is doing. So I think it's really, it's like half a one, half not the other. I think like both of these guys are doing great things and it's kind of just an either or really, because they're both having, they're both having great individual seasons. Yeah. In terms, of, in terms of the East, the guy I was looking at is Tobias Harris. I think yeah. he's had a really he's had a really great year and I think who do you put, put him in over yeah that's that's kind of that's kind of the thing I think it's it's tough ben Simmons. <laughs> I like Ben Simmons being in there because that's a sign of respect of of the all-star game kind of respecting defense because obviously I think that's yeah. kind of True. more exciting than his than Ben Simmons offense so it, I think is a good thing but Tobias Harris is having a great year, and I would like to 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 have seen it recognized.
0: Interesting comparison would be Jason Tatum or Tobias Harris. Celtics fans, don't kill me. <laughs> don't kill me. I think right now, the way the season's gone, you compare their their uh, their play, and. I'll be a Jason Tatum is doing it with a, with, without a MVP candidate center. So maybe there's your argument there. Um, But just the, the efficiency and moreover the defense Tobias Harris has brought it on defense more than Jason Tatum has. I mean, Jason Tatum has definitely made strides this year, but I mean, Tobias Harris is, is a guy you got thrown on, on AD. He's he's been defending uh, the best players on the other team for many stretches. Um, But I I think the, the East is fair, but that's that's a tough one. device Harris definitely was having a really good year, and and it's tough to see guys like that who are so successful, but I think are almost like team first guys. Guys like Mike Conley. Conley missed his his uh, his chances when he was in um, on the Grizzlies, and I think he was he was hoping to have a chance at it this year. The way the Jazz have been playing, the way he's been in. Really, an integral part of that, but just I guess you just didn't have the raw numbers for it this year. It's it's sad to see some of those players, those Mike Conleys that you know. Well, twenty years from now, people will be like, "Who who the hell is Mike Conley?" It'll be like, "I'll tell you, who Mike Conley was that <laughs> that guy was a grinder." You don't even know. But uh, I want to move on from the uh, from the All Star game here. Uh, we celebrated the Celtics having two All Stars, and it's really right now the only celebration that the Boston Celtics can have right now. They are in a terrible slump. They've lost the, the Pelicans, the Mavericks, the Hawks, 15 and 17 right now. and it's, it's looking bad. Do you panic here?
1: Maybe a little bit. I think for, they're five and nine in February, which is really disappointing. Being below 500 at this stage for them is definitely a huge, a huge concern. And it's just a manner of the way they've lost some of these games. I mean, that Pelicans game, I was watching that. I turned it off. They were up by 24 points in the second half. <laughs> and then they blow it. And I, I, I switched back on and I like, go, oh, the Pelicans make a bit of a run here. And then all of a sudden it's overtime and the Celtics lose by five. I think it was, it was just, it was very, very disappointing. They're kind of, Danny Angel has come out and he's admitted that he hasn't built the best roster and the roster that he wants and knows how much this team is currently struggling, and he's putting that 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 on himself rather than any of the players or or the coaching staff. And it, it, it's probably true, but at the same time, you see we're seeing stretches of of quality from the Boston team, but they are not playing for full games over this stretch, and that's that's the biggest concern for them.
0: Yeah, it's. I think the the remarkable thing for me is is the, the beyond the numbers beyond the numbers it's the the way they look on the floor just how they're playing that the the passion like they don't have that same like fight in them they don't have that same fight especially late in games you saw them completely deflate against the pelicans um you know the 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 loss against the the mavericks um you know luka Doncic. i mean that the guy is a legend. I mean, mm-hmm. that game in particular, I'll, I'll blame, blame uh, Brad Stevens. I don't know how you let Luka Doncic, in the heat of the last seconds of the game, get a switch onto Daniel Tice and get a switch onto your rookie. Like, that's that's unacceptable. Jalen Brown was locking him up, and, and that was just a terrible way to, to lose a game that you definitely could have won. But, I mean, getting absolutely crushed by the Hawks, giving up a huge game to the Pelicans, it's just another – uh, constant theme of they just don't have. Uh, I don't think they have a leader on the floor sometimes, and I think that leader is Marcus Smart. You're talking about uh, games where Mark, Marcus Smart is yelling in the locker room, and then people are chucking that up to you. Always oh, a bad teammate. He's he's so reactive. Like no, like you need guys like that. You need your your Draymond Greens. You need those type of guys who really light a fire under these young guys. Like Jason Tatum, he's He's an encouraging guy he's your steady hand offensively Jalen Brown, same thing on defensive end and this year even more so offensively as well. but like on the floor they're not like the vocal guys you don't you don't see them getting on people on the sideline and Brad Stevens isn't that that bad guy type yell in your face coach like if you're not giving your best, Marcus Smart's gonna let you know So to not have him in the games, have him in street clothes not there leading the team emotionally, I think that's been. A major part that has nothing to do with the fact that their bench has looked abysmal, that their minutes without without Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown are bottom of the league. They they have a lot more to figure out beyond just their roster. I, I think this is a time where, you know, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown talk about how they're gonna be the future of the franchise they need to not just be the best players on the team. They need to be the best leaders. They need to show that. And I know, I know they can do I, I know Jalen Brown, I think he's got a really, really uh, smart head in his shoulders. So there's no reason why he can't. But they, they need to show more in pushing this team to be better than they are. They can do it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think uh they got to be at the, at this stage of their careers. It's, you're looking at them kind of like, you need to be grown into being guys with kind of old, old heads on young shoulders. I think they got to, both still young guys with Browns 24, Tatum 22, they're both still young guys, both st- still find their way in the league, but they, they need to answer the call now. I think, I, lo- I, lo- I love what you say about Smart, because I think Smart is like the definition of that guy that all the like the main stars would look to as a key component of a championship team. That guy that just brings that extra bit of hustle and out of the blue would just step up with a big defensive play or a, bit, or a big three-point shot or something. So I think you you mentioned him being out of the team that that has been crucial for them and getting him back is going to be really important. Is Kemba Walker an issue in terms of chemistry with this team? Is that is he a guy that they should maybe look to move on from?
0: Well, let me contrast him with Marcus Smart in, in the light of what we're just talking about. Like Kemba Walker was all smiles at the end of these losses, and like you got to think, what the hell? Like you should be pissed. Like you should not be okay with the fact that you just gave up losses to these teams who you are definitely better than like on the floor he's been off and on he's been inconsistent but he's had his he's had solid moments and you can't deny that he definitely when he's healthy and when he's in rhythm he brings the shooting and the playmaking at the point that really compliments Jalen Brown Jason Tatum well for sure but look at his price tag and that 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 is a huge price tag for a guy who has not produced that much and I think leadership-wise, like he's well respected in that locker room. But I don't think that, and maybe maybe this is a thing with with the type of player he is. Like you know you know him from the the uh, Cinderella story. That's what we know Kamba for. We know him as the guy who brought UConn all the way a championship. He was he was a grinder to get all the way there. But he also played in Charlotte for a while where he didn't win for anything. I mean, I don't I don't know if he has that fiery mindset to drag a team the way, again, we said, like like Marcus Smart does. And just strategically, you, you don't waste that much money on a player who's not making as much of an impact. Like, he should be way more efficient with the amount of spacing he gets with Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown on the floor. Like, he's been an above-average player, but he hasn't been a star. And you, they need to look for ways to make better use of their of their money there it's just wasted
1: yeah absolutely i think uh Angel has, has talked a lot recently he's kind of talked about getting more shooting around tatum and brown and i um, i think there's probably a good chance that that the celtics are going to look to make a pretty significant move before before the trade deadline one thing i want to ask about obviously this wasn't bringing the shooting aspect of it but Say or play off the chance that both Drummond and Blake Griffin are both bought out of their contracts. Are either of those guys you think the Celtics might take a chance on?
0: (laughs) Okay, so within the theme of getting a vocal leader who's going to push these guys to win, Blake Griffin, nope. Andre Drummond, nope. Um, All right, so that doesn't check those boxes. How about... Uh, into your defense uh, nope for Blake absolutely not Drummond not really he hasn't he hasn't been a good defender for almost three years now um, I mean he brings a rebounding but you already got that in Tristan Thompson uh, Blake what 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 does Blake Griffin bring to the Celtics right now
1: I have no idea but say, say he's playing
0: possum and he's just fake he's not really that hurt he just wants to get bought out yeah and, think- and you have Blake Griffin from last year in this made-up scenario even that what does he bring <laughs> to this team
1: very little but at the same time blake griffin is the kind of guy that you could absolutely see stealing a living at one of these sort of teams
0: like money yeah, wise, yeah, right? i get
1: that Steal. money wise and just the fact that he can he could he just has this. he'll be able to convince these teams that he <laughs> can provide something and then I do absolutely nothing for them. <laughs>
0: i I'm done. I think he's done. He's made his money in this league. He's never. He's never going to see anything north of fifteen million. If he if he makes a fifteen. If he gets bought out and signs from the minimum somewhere, which actually this is an interesting thing uh, for some of these buyout guys. I, I think. I think Drummond is worth more than I, I'd say his, his going rate would be twenty or less. But if he if he gets bought out, if Blake gets bought out and they sign for a mid-level or a minimum for another team for a year, that's gonna bottom out their value. And they, it's it's gonna be interesting to see how how what teams end up getting them. Cause if they want to go to a contender, they're gonna have to sign for the minimum. And then after that, they're gonna be everyone's gonna be like, Well, you just signed for three mil. Like what you're worth like what, five? I'll double that. And that's it. They're not gonna make a whole lot of money after that. But I mean back back to the Celtics. I mean, I think that they can maybe be making a move for the guy we talked about last week, John Collins. John Collins has to be in the mix for them. I think that he's shown a lot more defensively this year where I'm not as concerned about adding a defensive liability in the front court. At least you're having a neutral to maybe somewhat positive. He's shown that he can be a more switchable defender. He's shown that he's not, terrible in the post I mean he's, he's still gonna get eaten up by by some of the better uh back to the basket guys in the east um but I think if, if you get a guy like John Collins you get shooting that you haven't had Tice hasn't been as good from three this year I think he's had amazing stretch last year but you know he, he's not Tice isn't the guy that you want to be hoping is your sole uh big stretch guy like he's, he's not going to be consistent over the course of the year if, if you can get John Collins to be that and be a consistent roller like they haven't had a guy who can roll to the rim you've been hoping that Williams is going to be that but I think Collins will give that consistently he was the fourth best uh, pick and roll big last year in the league obviously that was with Trey Young but he's he's shown he's a good lob threat he's shown that he can he can score around the basket um, that's that's got to be priority number one because think about it you get him he helps you now but he's also a guy that they can build with
1: yeah definitely i think um in terms of what you'd have to give up for him i think the hawks are mainly looking for a first round draft pick but you think looking at the celtics that they might try and and get a bit more out of them
0: i think at this point the the Celtics would be happy to give up a first-round pick for a guy like Collins. They'd be happy to do so. That's that's I don't think that's even a question. If, if they're giving up first-round pick, they're giving up guys like uh, Langford, um, maybe maybe even Neesmith. I, I think they, they want Neesmith to, to be successful in that rotation. But um, I think one guy that they will sneakily not want to get rid of is Pritchard. And that, that that kid is someone that I think he's going to be a future uh, rotation piece in a, in a championship team in Boston. But if, if they're just giving up um, Neesmith, Langford, a couple, couple picks, I, I think that's that's a fine return for a borderline all-star, a guy with a lot of potential left, and someone who strategically fits what you're trying to do
1: yeah i think yeah i'd have to agree with you i think that's definitely something that they should be looking at but they'll definitely be they'll definitely be a big market for for a player like john collins but i mean boston are always a team that that players will want to go to so yeah i think that 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 could definitely be a move that we could see before the trade deadline
0: yeah here's an interesting one too well what about a return of al horford they have that trade exception i I, i'm not this isn't really a seller's market I, i don't think they're they got that the biggest uh, trade exception in league history, the $28 million for Gordon Hayward. I don't think they're going to be able to use that to sign like some or trade for someone crazy right now. There's, there's not a lot of people in the market, but you get a guy like Al Horford, if he's willing to switch back to the five, John Collins at the four, Jason Tatum at the three, Jalen Brown at the two, Kemba Walker at the one that becomes a team that you can argue is going to Push back into the Eastern Conference Finals.
1: Hey, if, if Al if Al Horford can come back to the Al Horford that we saw those last few years in Boston, I would be I'd be all for that move because I I really liked Al Horford as a player when he was uh, when he was playing in Boston. Obviously, he was disappointed in Philly, and now it's kind of all petered out for him. But I think that that could be that would be an interesting move. It's just kind of the question of it, it, whether or not he's kind of passed his sell by date. In terms of, <laughs> of being that 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 impactful player, but if he if they if they were getting back the Al Horford that played in Boston a few a couple of years back, I think that would be a that would be a very very good move and that they should make.
0: You just called Al Horford spoiled milk. <laughs> I, I I think he's still got he's still got a couple of years left. He's he's cruising in OKC. He doesn't have to do a whole lot on a team that is, I think, respectfully tanking. Um, Mm-hmm. not tanking, tanking, but, um, but yeah, the, the Celtics will, they'll have a lot of questions to answer. Um, And in, in a week from hell, there's a really, really funny tabloid of that Brad Stevens in the same week of dropping these games, he had a root canal and his identity stolen. <laughs> All of its rumors of maybe he gets canned, maybe he doesn't um which he shouldn't that that shouldn't even be a real discussion anyone who's talking about brad stevens getting fired is is insane this this franchise is committed completely to him they've had so much success over the past few years and you know i think they'll they'll be patient the, the celtics will i have faith they'll figure it out both in terms of getting the right team around these guys and and being successful by the end of the year um they they, they have to and i think they will
1: yeah, I'd have, I'd have to. I would certainly have to agree with you there.
0: Yeah. But a team that I didn't think, that both of us didn't think, we're going to pull it all together. They've been at the butt end of jokes and trade rumors constantly. The Washington Wizards on a five game winning streak. And those teams included the Lakers and the Clippers. They are, I, I don't know what they are. I, I don't understand what's happening here. What would you say? <laughs>
1: Yeah, Boston, Boston were in that in that little run there too. Yeah, Of course. Uh, oh man, Wizards. Nine and six in February. They they uh 12 and 18 overall. I mean, they were three and thirteen coming into February, and now now they're 12 and 18. And now you're kind of looking at it and you're like, it wouldn't be the craziest thing in the world if these guys are, are making a push for eight eight or nine in no. the east. Definitely not. And I mean, it's it's been the, the streak's been impressive. I mean, I, I would put it down to just the fact that they got Beale and Westbrook, and they're both elite players on their day, and they were always going to be capable of putting this sort of run together. I mean, like Beal obviously just doing everything on the offensive end scoring for fun. Westbrook seems to be dropping a triple double every night. I think he's I think I saw somewhere he's already second all time in uh in Wizards triple doubles, which
0: I mean, I don't know. I don't know who else would be. Yeah, who else is, getting uh,
1: triple and... is John Wall the top there? Probably, and he probably isn't even that high on the list. Yeah, but I think it it has it, been a good run, and I wouldn't be surprised if they're able to sustain some sort of consistency to to make a drive at, at playoffs this year. They've, and here's
0: the thing too: like they've been so bad to start, and a lot of that had to do with COVID. I mean they had so many they had a, a streak of almost over 10 days where not only were they not playing they weren't practicing they didn't have they didn't see each other they weren't working out they weren't shooting around they've nothing they're sitting at home taking tests mm-hmm. chilling out doing nothing watching basketball and I mean that's really really detrimental to a team that you know they have some new faces they're trying to incorporate a new point guard I mean, trying to incorporate a high-usage guy like Russell Westbrook. I mean, when we saw it with him being healthy in Houston. He and James Harden needed time to figure it out together. Um, And this could be a flash of them starting to figure it out. This could be a flash of, you know, Davis Bertans not being the worst shooter in the Eastern Conference when he just got signed for a big contract to be the stretch four. I mean, he's, he's finally putting it together. You're shooting 52% from three and that's really how he's going to come back to earth, but it's, it's a lot better than his sub 30% shooting that was dragging the team. I mean, he's supposed to be the floor spacer. And a lot of things fall apart when you got guys around Bradley Beal who can't shoot Russell Westbrook's already a liability. Rui Hachimura has not shown signs of shooting the three he's still at 31%. And, uh, Robin Lopez, as cool as his, uh, corner threes were and uh, in Chicago and in Milwaukee, it's not getting it done for Beale, but now, now just switching it up like Mo Wagner coming into the starting lineup, he can stretch the floor. Um, Garrison Matthews, a guy that you know I, I have no idea who he is, so just to see them throw out new guys out there, just another aspect of the Wizards. But for this team as a whole, they've been playing very well over this stretch. They're at an offensive rating of 113. That'd be 10th if it was for the whole season right now. I mean, that they're being competitive on the offensive end and their defensive rating 106.4 they're actually playing defense they can guard more than parked cars right now 106.4 <laughs> that would rank second if those were the full season um but you know teams go through hot stretches cold stretches is this just a hot stretch or are they starting to put together the pieces of a team that we honestly predicted that they could be at the beginning of the season
1: it's still so hard to know. I'm kind of looking at it to see where they're at probably a week or two after the All-Star break and then I'll be able to really feel like I can make an honest judgment. At this moment I'm like they they still have two elite level players in Beale and Westbrook and that's why they're able to get on this sort of run and it could just so easily collapse back into the 313 start that they had. But,
0: well, I'm I'm putting a metaphorical gun to your head, and you have to decide: Are they going to make the playoffs this year? If you if you had to bet on what you saw the first first part and this little stretch I got here, is, is, is this enough?
1: Yes, with the play-in tournament and being in the Eastern Conference, I'll say yes.
0: That that's that's exactly it. that's exactly how I see it. You know, they're they're going to be the play-in tournament, and you're going to have maybe the Hawks. Maybe the Heat, probably the Hornets, the Bulls. Um, maybe, maybe the Knicks. If, if the Knicks, the Knicks uh, slide. I mean, that, I mean, it's very arguable that they probably will slide. Um, sorry. I mean, I, I <laughs> think the Bulls probably will. But you have those two, Bradley Beal and Russell Westbrook, and in one game, in two games, I think they can they can make that happen. That that's what it's probably going to come down to. And they should they should be much better. Um, and not just Russell Westbrook, not just Bradley Beal, but we got to give some love to to Rui Hachimura, who really went under the radar uh, last year. Um, he's a young player. He's my guy. He's the first uh, Japanese uh, basketball player in uh, in the league ever. But he's not just been really solid from uh, from the field. I mean, he's always been a very very good arguably elite mid-range shooter but defensively he's really getting it done I mean they were putting him on Kawhi and Paul George they're putting him on LeBron and you know his size and his switchability when you start to think about what he could do on the defensive end and if he can start to put it together on his three-point shooting which I mean his his free throw shooting he's at 80 percent right now and he's starting to take more threes, you know that he can shoot the two and he does it with a lot of deft touch. He can do it off the dribble, he can do it coming off screens. So really just expanding his range and seeing how he can be a multifaceted defender, defending I mean, even one through five in today's positionless uh, basketball. Um, I'm really intrigued with, you know, maybe there's a ceiling to this guy that we weren't really paying attention to before.
1: Yeah, I think that's very that's very fair, and I think he he's been been one of the surprise packages over over this run for, for the Wizards. And the big the biggest thing is we've seen it over the last decade. Guys have found the ability to develop the three point shot. I think it's something maybe gets too, almost too much focus, but it is an important aspect. And especially if you're a player with size, and you are capable of being slotted in around guys at the moment like Westbrook and Beal and you're a big guy that can can stretch the floor and can make a three ball you are going to be wanted by a lot of teams in this league and you're going to be wanted by teams that are competing at the highest level and that's that's huge for a guy like Hachimura and I think if he can develop that outside shot and he keeps developing the skills he already has he there's definitely a High ceiling for this guy, and he and he can definitely uh, ma- make a burst uh, into a, a perennial all star. Even
0: it's it's really interesting to see his game because it, it feels a lot to me. Um, you know, he he got some uh, Kawhi comparisons in terms of his you know his wingspan, his size. He's a 6'8", 230 long defender who can shoot the mid range, and same thing with Patrick Williams on the on the Bulls rookie rookie for the Bulls the way that he's had that same sort of comparison, those body, how he plays on the defensive end, how he can switch on bigger wings and power forwards. And it's it's cool to see that this archetype starting to to form on on a couple of these young teams. If, if they can be that kind of Kawhi player, they're under the radar, but they get it done on both ends of the floor. And for Kawhi Leonard, I mean, he had a pretty quiet campaign to making his way to a finals MVP status, to an all-star status, it was it was quietly quietly built how he became that guy because he was an elite defender. Everyone was like, all right, he's the elite there. He started to be a little bit better off three. Then he started to add uh, the uh, playmaking aspect to his game. And just slowly but surely, just adding, adding, adding. And then all of a sudden, we know him as Kawhi Leonard. I, I, I don't see why... A guy like Rui Hachimura, I'm obviously he's not gonna make it that far, but with the way that he's shown that he can shoot the ball, and he's shown flashes on uh, on defense as being a elite elite defender, uh, I'm interested how that's that's gonna move forward. And for a guy like Bradley Beal, who's been constantly constantly in trade talks every game, it's not even asking about like the game; it's asking about if he's if he's worried about uh, being traded, if he's worried, blah 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 blah. Like, for him to finally have some normalcy of winning, he's got a former superstar all-star next to him in, in Russell Westbrook. He's got a potentially budding uh, future all-star in Rui Hachimura. Um, if, if, they're, if the Wizards can prove here that they've got not just a good core now, but a core for the future in Rui, maybe you get something out of, out of Denny in the future Thomas Bryant, when he's healthy he's having a great year um, maybe that starts to die down and not only is that great for the Wizards but I mean that's a huge impact on the league because a lot of people were looking at Bradley Beal as maybe he's the x-factor for um, the next super team to counter the Lakers and the Nets where where could he go to to fit in that picture um, it's, it's starting to look after all the comments that he's had about being loyal and wanting to stay there that that's if this continues, that's probably going to be true. He's going to stay there.
1: Yeah. I think obviously he wants to stay, which is always the biggest thing you, because the question is, I don't think Washington, they're not doing anything. I I don't, I don't, I think they'd be crazy to be trying to pull some sneaky sort of move to, to, to get rid of Beal or anything like that, but they haven't really come out and been like, yeah, Bradley Beal's our guy. We're building this team around him." I feel like I haven't really heard that from them. So it still wouldn't be crazy if they got the right offer and they considered blowing up this whole thing and, and starting over with a, a rake of picks and maybe a couple of young stars and they get, get a similar sort of bundle for for Russell Westbrook. So you still don't know, but you'd love for the fact that Brady Beal has said he wants to remain loyal. He was a bit disappointed. I think he was looking forward to running back with John Wall. And now I think he's loving playing with, with Rus- Russell Westbrook. And you, you want to see loyalty like that rewarded in this league because you, you often see that like loyalty is dead here and that mm-hmm. people, people don't care about the team that drafted them, the team that built them into the stars that they become. But well, Brady Beale has shown all of that. And if the Wizards have a core in, the, in these guys and they can build around him, it, it would be really great for Beal and really great for, for Washington.
0: Absolutely, I, I think it's it's a testament now to how competitive, um, or non competitively competitive because a lot of the Eastern teams have looked like shite for half the year and then they have little runs, um and my bulls are on one right now where we're sitting pretty at the seventh seed, fifteen and sixteen. I, I didn't. It, it's been such a weird year, and I'm sure a lot of other teams have have felt. The same way, um, the Raptors are probably feeling the same way early in the season. Not sure where they're going to be at, and now they're sitting at the fifth seed. The the Knicks <laughs> still right there at the at the sixth seed. The Hornets turning around, they're in the eighth seed. The, the Celtics are at the ninth seed right now. They're fifteen and seven. Like the if you look at the uh, the seeding right now, it's so insanely close. And like I, I'm not. I couldn't tell you, even if you held the metaphorical gun to my head, like where these teams are going to land. I mean, I'm definitely, I'm definitely sold on the top two. I mean, the 76ers and the Nets have been unbelievable. Obviously they're going to stay one and two. I mean, the bucks have been not as great as, as you'd want them to be statistically, but they're still going to produce they're, they're really, I mean, a cut above the rest. I think it's those three. And then I'm not sure where the rest land. The Celtics should be there at four, but it's, I don't, I have no idea. I have no idea. And the heat, I mean, the heat have come back from the dead. They're, they're in 10th, but you know, they're basically half a game behind being like the sixth seed right now.
1: Uh no, it's not to think of. I definitely agree with you. I think Philly, Brooklyn, uh, and Milwaukee, they're the top three. I think they're set, but for, for the other five places in the Eastern conference, you could make an argument for basically every team other than Detroit at having a shot at the playoffs this year, which is just – it's just nuts, to be honest. I mean, like, Cleveland are sitting in 14th at the moment, and they're just four games back. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm counting them
0: out. I'm, you I'm, can count
1: I'm them out, but on, on paper, they're in 14th. yeah. They're, 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 they're dead. Four, they're four they're, games back from the fifth seed, which is, which is mad. They're dead. <laughs>
0: you know, in a, in a marathon – in a marathon, they were the guy who who trained for a week and sprinted for the first mile, and they're dead. They're they're, <laughs> they're crawling to the finish line. They they you know. But I think for hey, back, back ne- to back
1: wins, back to back wins for Cleveland. Sex Land, sex land is stepping up. Yeah, uh, i it's,
0: <laughs> I think what what's really interesting is is they're they're missing the guy we we talked about. They're they're missing their very important. Big in uh, Larry Nance. He's he's been huge to their success on both ends of the floor. Maybe if he comes back, that's that'll that'll be the uh, injection of competent two way play that'll help them out. But I think in a year like this, Cavs unfortunately are probably going to get their hands on a nice pick, and same yeah, thing with the Pistons. <laughs> um, the Magic though, they're they're I, I don't see a path for them right now, especially with their health. Aaron Gordon's out now. Not having Isaac, not having faults, um, they're
1: they're
0: gonna they're gonna be an interesting point for that. We we didn't plan to talk about them at all, but just just thinking about their their trajectory and their past, um, we've been talking for the past few weeks about team building and stuff. But it, it's gonna be interesting that they're gonna be another point where they've accumulated talent hasn't turned out into anything, and they've already been pretty impatient before and sending off players. And in a market where a lot of teams are looking to buy, you wonder if they might sell on a couple of guys like Vucevic, like Aaron Gordon, who knows if they they might be willing to part with guys in the context of not even being competitive in a year where everyone's competitive. The Magic should should have been definitely in a conversation to to be there the way that they were playing last year.
1: Yeah, definitely. I think compared to some of the teams you're seeing that are, are, are competing now, like the fact that they should absolutely be the the same level as the Knicks at a minimum, the Bulls as well, the Hornets. They should be right there with, with with in the same conversation as as those guys. And they they just aren't. I have seen rumors that there is talk that they might they might give up on on uh, on Vucevic and Gordon and try to and try to move them on, which might might be a smart move for them. I think a lot of teams will be looking and I think Gordon is a guy that a number of kind of the, the bigger teams will, will will definitely look to bring in just because of his his all round game, really, especially uh, on the defensive end. I think the Lakers are definitely a team that would look to a guy like, like Aaron Gordon. And I, I don't know if they'll, they'll wait to maybe the off season. Uh, I don't think they'll, they'll push that, push the, push the panic button and, and do it before the trade deadline, but that's definitely an interesting one to, uh, to keep an eye on to see to see if they make any moves on, on Vucevic and, uh, and Gordon.
0: I don't know what kind of cap sorcery the Lakers would pull off to get Aaron Gordon on there, but
1: oh, they, they always find a way.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, he, he, Aaron Gordon fits nicely. That, that what was it, around 20, 20 million a year fits real nice in uh, in that Malik Beasley twenty mil a year deal with uh, the Timberwolves. That's a, That's a trade we we looked at. We'd love to see Aaron Gordon in Minnesota. Yeah, Minnesota I
1: don't know. Can Minnesota you can you,
0: can you trade Minnesota. a guy if he's in jail? <laughs> Is that
1: allowed? I don't know. I don't know if they have a rule on that. I'd I'd have to look. I'd have to look at the uh, the the NBA uh, the, the the rule book on on trading there for that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> does he does he just get bust to the games from from county jail? Is that allowed? <laughs>
1: I don't know I guess I guess they could work something you know when you that know means when the you're COVID, rich you know, uh,
0: social you have to distancing it. at least I don't know <laughs> But oh, no, that be good But yeah 4 4 through 10 is going to be continue to be a rock fight see if the Celtics figure it out Rafters continue to look good Pacers look a little more susceptible not the 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 dominant potential contender team but maybe Levert comes back It's another factor we don't think about but I mean the 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 first two teams the 76ers and the Brooklyn Nets, um, I, I don't know, which one do you want to talk about first? I mean, both these teams, I mean, actually, no, I don't want to talk about Ben Simmons. I need to talk about Ben Simmons. Ben oh, Simmons man. is a monster. I mean, this guy said it himself. He's He self-proclaimed himself the best defender in the NBA. And I believe it. I believe it. I'd, I'd vote. He has my uh, Defensive Player of the Year vote, even though, yeah, give, give all the – the impact metrics to Rudy Gobert, it's true, but that aside, there, there's there's the same the same way that you you look at Kyrie Irving and you see how he handles the ball and he's just a magician. The way that Ben Simmons is a near seven foot, just like he he looks like Megatron, just destroying people. Like he made Luka Doncic look like a ch- chubby uh, AAU player, like he he didn't he made him look. Like not Luka Doncic, but like he can move like a guard, and he's got the body of a seven footer, and it's terrifying. It's absolutely terrifying to watch him out there, like really engaged, like fully engaged defensively. And you got to think about how that's gonna push them further in the playoffs if they can manage to have him there on both sides of the ball.
1: Yeah, absolutely. If he's playing, if he's playing the basketball, he's currently playing at a come playoff time the Philly. Philly have got a real shot this year. Philly, I think Philly are, are, are going to be in the Conference Finals. And I think in terms of starting five, Philly match up well with anyone. They could they can go toe-to-toe with anyone, in my opinion, the way that they're currently playing. The biggest issue that's facing them is the fact that they can't really get the bench working. It was working for a while, Um with uh, Thibel was having a big impact offensively. Uh, Shake Milton was, was scoring well. But the last few weeks, it, it, it's been a bit of a struggle for their bench. And when they don't have their, their starting guys on the court, they, they've, they've struggled to hold on to leads. And they, they have to bring in guys like Embiid and, and, and Harrison guys like that in, in earlier than they wanted to, to just to make sure that they can sustain leads in games. So I think that's the big issue for them. But Ben Simmons, I'm loving what I'm seeing out of him. The biggest compliment you can pay him is the fact that he always shows his best self in the big games. In the games where you're like, okay, he's going to have to do a job on this elite level player. And he pretty much always does it, which is just so impressive. And obviously he's not the elite dynamic scorer, but he is an elite defender and elite playmaker. And with the pace that he has and the the quickness of his hands, he can he can really have a big impact on the offensive end, just like he can on, on, on D, which is just, it, it's so cool. And he's just a guy that any team would love to have. Dude, Luka,
0: Luka Doncic, like, looked... What you love about watching Luka Doncic is how much fun he has. And the reason he has so much fun is because he is... Such a smart basketball player, and he's so good at like knowing what the defense is going to do and knowing how to break that down and breaking through their schemes and just scoring at will. And he did not look like he was having fun that night. He ended the game with seven turnovers, 19 points, which was his uh, I think it was only the, the fourth time he uh didn't reach 20 this season. And I mean, just looking at how they were defending him, how much fun is that to have to deal with Ben Simmons from the half court? The second you cross half court, you got Ben Simmons on your ass. And then the second you try to get a pick, you're getting help from Matisse Theibel. You have to get through Matisse Theibel. Okay, so you get past both of them, finally. Then Joel Embiid's up in your face in the paint. Like That was just a nightmare scenario for a guy who didn't have any help. Like To to beat the 76ers, they've shown that on defense... You got to have two star playmakers. You got to have two guys who can create with the ball in their hands, because if you don't, they're going to crush you. Having Matisse Thybul out there and, and having him be more proficient offensively so that Doc can actually give him time. I've said it like, man, that's a lineup with him and Ben Simmons on the floor is absolutely devastating on the defensive end. Like you can't you can't score on that. Even like Luka Doncic, Luka Magic, he looked like Luka Doncic. He he didn't look like a superstar. He he looked terrible out there. And any honestly, any player out there would. I, I don't think there's anyone in the league that on their own could really play against that. You've got to have a full your full force against this team in order to beat them.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think that they're just they're, they're finally showing what we wanted to see from this Philadelphia team for the last two, three years. And as we keep saying, let's just see what sort of shape they're in, health wise and form wise, come playoff time. Yeah, you gotta
0: hope. You gotta hope. It's good to see that Embiid's getting some, still, still playing games, even though he had a, a few. He's been resting on back to backs, had a few uh, rests, um, but good, good to see him. He's still putting in minutes.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think obviously, we got to talk about the Brooklyn Nets. Our favorite thing to do. We uh, We we just it just has to happen. I think it's. Very justified. This week, uh, they're on they're on an eight game win streak, and they're basically just showing the power of star power with their with the way they've gone on this run.
0: I think the most interesting thing is, is going to be really this. This is a, a an outside take here, but Bruce Brown playing the five has just been the most interesting basketball thing this season for me. Like watching a guy who's barely six five. Like the, up up in the post, like cutting, cut it, being a rim runner. It's it's been such a testament to I think not just uh, positionless basketball, but like the the coaching acumen of of both Steve Nash and Mike D'Antoni, the the way that they've they've made um, small ball work here, and 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 we said it like that, the type of guys that they have on this team to make um microball all right make that work It's it's been working and credit to them that not only are they just scoring like crazy at will they have a top 10 defense in efficiency over this uh over this span here since the 10th since February tenth, they have top 10 defense and that's not something that I thought they were going to put a stretch together to do and to do it without their best defender Kevin Durant who is without a doubt he's their best defender that's very very encouraging and that absolutely tells me that's something that they can sustain um to be at least an average average defense and turn it up in in the postseason and to see them be successful against the Lakers and the Clippers that's that goes without saying obviously you have that asterisk of uh, Anthony Davis not being there but you know they didn't have Kevin Durant either
1: yeah absolutely I think it, the big thing, obviously, this this run came out after that 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 surprise defeat to Detroit. I think that was kind of the the slap in the face that this this Nets team needed, just to kind of be like, this is not okay. We've we've got to show our best selves every night. Losing to a team like Detroit is is not 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 okay. When you've got when you got even no Ke- Kevin Durant, which I haven't had for any of these for this stretch, even when, when you just have James Harden and Kyrie Irving. You cannot lose to a team like the Detroit Pistons. And I mean, Harden and Kyrie, what what can we say about them? I mean, both of them averaging 27 points during this stretch. Harden's nearly doing a triple-double. He's got nine boards and uh, just under 11 assists. Kyrie's even around five five boards, six assists, shooting 51% from the field. The two of these guys together... They're just two of the most dynamic scorers we we have seen. And watching them together is just it's just so much fun. And obviously still giving up around 110 points uh, a game during this stretch, but the fact that they're just so they just have so much power on offense. And that's what we always knew we were gonna see out of this team. And the fact that you know that their defense is capable of improving, especially when we get Durant back, they're still first in offensive rating, which is Kind of a minimum, almost. You're you're kind of saying minimum is top two in offensive rating with the team that they have, and as you said before, they they're still in a position where their defense is going to get better, and the fact that their offense is is clicking, and they're showing what they what we expected. Uh, it, it's things are really starting to look up for Brooklyn, and it's making me more confident in them when we when we look at the them in the postseason. Yeah, and we let's let's do this.
0: We've been focusing on the Eastern Conference this whole time. We focused on how tight it is for the rest, the the other six teams that will make it in the playoffs. Um, I think it's pretty obvious now that we've come down to these two teams here. It's it's the the Nets, the 76ers, may, maybe the Bucks. The, do I do the Bucks even deserve uh, a spot to talk about beating the Nets? Is that is that even in the realm of discussion? Is that even worth talking about?
1: Not at this moment. I, I, no. I think I don't think right now. I don't I think the, the talk right now is Philly and Brooklyn.
0: Yeah, I, I don't I don't think so either. And and does do the does the 76ers defense do enough to the Nets offense for them to to win? And then I mean that would be such an interesting, and it's I think I think this is gonna be the uh, the the Eastern Conference Finals to see if Joel Embiid, we'll see if it who knows, maybe he wins the MVP this year. If, if MVP Joel Embiid can be as much of a superstar as he is against the Nets defense, who honestly can't stop that. They won't stop that. If if Joel Embiid is healthy, I mean he's going to average 40, 40 and 15. Like they're not going to stop any of his post-ups. Can but they can they do enough defensively and rely on Joel Embiid entirely to win, and I mean, let's not forget they also have Tobias Harris. I mean they, they still have they still have uh, playmaking, they still have scoring outside of Embiid.
1: Yeah, I, I absolutely think they can. I, th- I think Philadelphia, as they are currently set, they I think they match up. They they'd be confident of a matchup against Brooklyn, even with uh, as we hope that Durant this this injury is gonna just going to be a little blip and he'll be back back uh, healthy and playing ball uh, once he once he returns up until up until right through right through the playoffs but um yeah i i love how Philly would set up again against this Brooklyn team and i think they're more than capable of doing that and i think as well Ben Simmons would have the opportunity to obviously his main focus in that scenario would be the defensive end and they wouldn't be relying too much on his offense but i think he'd be in a position where he could have a big impact on offense as well.
0: Mm-hmm. And that's if, uh, if they don't accept the trade from the bulls for Lowry marketing and uh, <laughs> two first round picks, man, I'd love Ben Simmons. I'd love seeing him in a bulls uniform. <laughs> I I'd, I'd do. It. I would trade everything minus, minus Zach Levine. That would be, I, I think a lot, a lot of teams are, are looking at, at Ben Simmons and thinking, well, he's kind of undervalued last year. Maybe you couldn't have him, but it is clear. it. The 76ers were invested in Ben Simmons, even though he was in the trade talks for James Harden. They they believe in him. They believe in this team. And I'm I'm interested to see if the 76ers find a way to screw it up. Cause you're just holding you're holding your breath that, that something's something's gonna happen. Cause it happens every year for the, the past few years now that that something comes up that that kills the success they have. So I'm I'm just we'll just keep Riding the the success they've had, keep enjoying the performances the Nets have had. You know, they won't even have Kevin Durant for a couple of months. So just to just to see them be successful without him, like you said, it's it's so impressive. And like you said earlier, man, it's so good to, to see the East be competitive again, to see there be some some actual competition.
1: Yeah, no, man, I'm loving it. And don't don't lose out hope on maybe Ben Simmons there putting on a Bulls uniform one day, you know, you know, the way Daryl Morey is, he, he makes, he makes big calls and create and crazy decisions uh, on a whim. That's what he's built his career off and he's had success with it. So you never know, maybe Ben Simmons might, might be crazily traded if they don't don't go all the way this year.
0: Don't give me hope. I mean, I've been trying to talk myself out of ridiculous uh, trade scenarios this whole week. Don't, don't even, (laughs) don't even give me any hope. I got to stop thinking about it. I got to stop dreaming. And gotta start looking forward to some games tonight. What, what what are we watching?
1: I think your Bulls and Phoenix. I think that's that's uh, one of the games to watch. And, and of Absolutely. course, uh, Portland, Portland, and LA. I think uh, it's Lakers lost four straight. I think they, they need a bounce back game, and they're going up against Dame time.
0: Does, <laughs> here's here's my here's my crazy prediction. Dame's gonna it's Dame's going to bring them back to life. Le- LeBron's going to really push to get a win here. And Dame time, he's going to bring it to fourth quarter. And LeBron's going to play 45 minutes. And we're going to be back here next week talking about when is LeBron going to break down? This is never going to happen. Another 40-minute point uh, another 40 minute night for him. It's, 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 I, I, I don't understand. And he, he said it himself the, the other day. He's like, I, I know my body. I'm fine. No one's gonna tell me how to. And yeah, he keeps pushing for the MVP. I, 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 don't see why at this point if, if he can, actually win without Anthony Davis one one game, then uh, <laughs> then hold the right off of the MVP conversation. Um, Pacers Celtics that's gonna be huge. We we just talked about how bad the the Celtics have been, and you know if if, if listeners out there are listening to this tomorrow, just another another. Uh, <laughs> Another added panic to a Celtic team that's reeling. Um, Kings Pistons. I'm not. I'm not watching that. Jazz. Jazz. He. That might be a a good one.
1: No Halliburton uh, as well for, for for the Kings. So even less of a reason to watch. Yeah,
0: definitely not. But I'm I'm gonna be interested in my in watching Levine and Booker duke it out tonight. That's gonna be the duel. I watch Kobe going against his mentor CP3. Couple of uh, former. Uh, uh, teammates there Mikhail Bridges and Ryan Archie Diacano. this will be the duel of the night and uh I'm taking my bulls as always
1: well I, I i would be i would be worried if you weren't taking the bulls there now and i think yeah they got a good shot why not they 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 need to come out on the on the right side of these close games they they they've been coming out on the wrong side for for a large portion of the season i think this might be the night where they where they come out on the right end of, of a tight one
0: yeah, man, I'm I'm high I'm high in the bulls right now. We're we're finally in the mix. Zach Levine's an all star. I I will take Zach Levine over everybody, <laughs> and then uh, we'll we'll see how depressed I am next week, depending on how these next few games go. But hey, I think that's gonna about do it, Ronan. And it's always good talking to you. Always good getting on here, and we'll we'll uh, catch you next week. We'll see which team is uh maybe the, maybe you're right. Maybe the Cavs come back to life. Maybe uh maybe this the Celtics. Continue just to go down, but we're going to cover it all next
1: week on the next episode of Coast to Coast. Respect the Sexton. I'll talk to you later, man. Peace. on today's episode of coast to coast don't forget to hit us up on instagram and twitter at coast to coast nba podcast to hear your takes discussed right here on the show and remember take every shot and love every moment